Hi everybody, I'm Peter Jacobson, and welcome to Jake's Takes. Big week in golf last week. The United States Senior Open Championship was held at Notre Dame Golf Course, the Warren Course, a Ben Crenshaw Bill Coeur design, and really great to see Steve Stricker win the U.S. Senior Open. We all know and love Steve Stricker, the 2020 Ryder Cup captain, upcoming in his home state of Wisconsin next year. And I'm so happy to do the opening with my big brother, David. We played college golf together at the University of Oregon. We do a lot of things together. And my brother David has been the three-time starter now at the U.S. Senior Open, the first he starter. So, David, welcome to Jake's Takes. Let me ask you, what's that experience like, standing on the first tee, introducing all the players? Well, Peter, it's it's really an incredibly uh, exciting experience. Uh, I was invited by the USGA to become the first tee starter for the Senior Open, uh, which is an incredible honor. But to be able to be on the tee and see the players get prepared, and each player prepares somewhat differently, it's really been an interesting and eye-opening experience to see how each one of these players do it. And then to be able to introduce them is really uh, an exciting experience for me. It's the national championship, and to be able to introduce them in a really formal way makes me proud to be that first tee starter. Now, we hear you on TV on the Fox broadcast. When they go down to the first tee and we hear you say, ladies and gentlemen, for the 4.03 tee time, there's your script right there. Do you do they give you the script on how they want you to introduce each player? Yes, yes. We start every, uh, every wave with a, an announcement that's uh, welcome to round four of the 40th U.S. Senior Open Championship conducted by the United States Golf Association and hosted by the Warren Golf Course at Notre Dame. Uh, this is the 106 starting time, or whatever the starting time is. But I try to be a little bit more demonstrative. Uh, there's usually some grandstands around, and I just want the players to know that this is a special experience. It is the national championship, so their introduction needs to be as formal and as exciting as I can make it. And I'm not a professional announcer. I'm just a regular guy that knows how exciting it is to play in a USGA championship. Now, you've played in your share of USGA championships. You've played with professionals. You've played with amateurs. Is there anybody that is intimidating to introduce on the first tee, like a Tom Watson so to speak? You know, Peter, I, I, I didn't feel intimidated at all. I, I felt uh, tremendous respect for these folks, uh, knowing their background, knowing their history, knowing how hard it is the game is and how hard it is to achieve the level of performance that they've achieved. It's really, it, it's with great pride that I introduce these folks. And so not, no intimidation at all. What is intimidating is when they come to the tee sometimes. And um, I'm asked to... Um, hand them their card, give them any final instructions, order of play. Some listen, some just walk away. <laughs> so. <laughs> so some players are kind of ice cold. Yes. Others are yeah. talkative. Well, that's what's the fun part is see how people are, are prepared. This last week uh, was very humid and hot, especially on the first tee. It didn't not much air moving around, and I had a, t- a little umbrella. Um, Colin Montgomery came over and was under the umbrella with me because it was shaded. And he was just as chatty as you can imagine, just great conversationalist and uh, just a really wonderful guy. We had a great, great conversation. Some guys just 
got their card, got the instructions, and went over and stood by the uh, table where some of the teas and, and uh, other uh, tools are available and just stand by themselves. So it's just really interesting how each personality seems to come out on that first tee as they prepare. You just told me a story that you had to reload the pencils on the first tee. <laughs> no so people help themselves to handfuls of, t- of tees that have the USGA logo on it, but also the pencils that say of course. US Senior Open. Yeah, this is, this is the national championship. So even the best players in the world are excited to play in a USGA championship. So there's a um, a handful of, uh, more than a handful of tees on the, on the tee for them to use. And some of the players were taking a couple of handfuls and loading their bag. So Why not? You're, you're telling me that if when we play golf for the rest of the year, when I see you pull out a USGA tee, <laughs> you're not going to be guilty of a few handfuls yourself? No, I took a handful for you. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about Steve Stricker, the, uh, the champion. He won he dominated the week. Yeah. In fact, when I turned the TV on, I was supposed to play, and you were going to introduce me, but I've been suffering from a knee problem and a pulled muscle in my back, so unfortunately, I, I wasn't there, but I watched it, and pretty impressive when I turned the TV on to see the leaderboard on Sunday. Stricker was 18, Jerry Kelly was 12, and I think the next player was 10 or maybe 9, so that was quite a domination. What did you think of the course? It's a wonderful golf course. Uh, the Warren Golf Course, uh, I, it felt like an old golf course. When I went there, I had the perception that it was a 75 or 80-year-old golf course that had been uh, restored by uh, Ben Crenshaw and Bill Coor. What I learned, it's not even a 20-year-old golf course, Peter. It's just a wonderful layout. Uh, it was a, a traditional USGA championship where the fairways were fairly tight. There were some areas that they could have been tighter, but the rough was very long, so you needed to keep it in the fairway. And Steve just uh, struck it really squarely. He was very strong in the fairways. His up and down was just remarkable. So I thought it was a really good test. Unfortunately, it rained heavily Wednesday night into Thursday, almost an inch of rain that Wednesday night into Thursday. So the greens were a little bit more receptive than I think the USJ would have preferred. But it's really a good golf course, really fun. Got some great amenities there. It's a neat place right next door to the campus uh, in Notre Dame. Now, they had Notre Dame jerseys for all the participants with their names on the back. Yes, uh, registration had to be spectacular. And one of the great experiences when you play in a USGA championship, as you know, is registration. Uh, You go through the whole process, register, and then you sign the player's scroll. This year, they had the registration in the locker room, the... uh, the football locker room, and in each one of the lockers, which are empty at this point, football season hasn't started, they had each player with a jersey and their name on the jersey. A Notre Dame Fighting Irish authentic jersey. A blue jersey uh, with the number 19 and their name on on the back. Uh, They got registered, got their jersey, then they went down the stairway out the tunnel um, and had to they could choose to, but many players slapped the play like a champion um, poster that's at the bottom of the stairway, and then they went out on the field, and many players, uh, uh, there were footballs out there, so some players were <laughs> throwing passes and running around on the field, and that's, that's pretty, pretty spectacular. So they all had a great time. 
rules committee meeting was on Wednesday night, so I got to do the same thing. Went in the locker room, they didn't have jerseys for us, but went down the stairway, slapped the sign, play like a champion, was out on the field. And I can't even imagine what it'd be like to be 18 year olds on that field with the grandstands all around. Other than stealing tees and pencils, <laughs> yes. you didn't steal any jerseys, no, did you? No, no jerseys. All right. <laughs> I stole the pencils for you, <laughs> tees and pencils for so, you. So two names that have been tied together through the history of the game, or at least their careers, Watson and Nicholas. We mentioned Watson. Mm -hmm. 69 years old, made the cut, shot his age, which is an incredible thing. Beat his age yesterday. He beat his age yesterday. And then the other player, Nicholas, not Jack, but his son, Gary, yep. who actually was my little brother when he came out on the PGA Tour, the Big Brother, Little Brother program. How cool must that have been to introduce Gary Nicholas on the first team? It was, it was very, it was really fun. And especially, we, he and I had a chance to talk about uh, you being his big brother, and he, of course, had to take me over to his caddy, which was his son, GT, and when Gary introduced me as your brother, GT was thrilled because apparently you and he play a little guitar together and have a lot of fun, so um, by putting that connection together, I kind of knew Gary a little bit, but all of a sudden, when GT was introduced and you came into the picture, all of a sudden, that first tee turned into more of a friendly environment, not as serious as I would, had hoped it would have been. Well, that's, that's a good thing. So to switch gears real quick, you and I last week played in the One Club Championship here in Portland, Oregon at East Morning Golf Club as part of the Youth On Course and the Jacobson Youth Init Initiative program, which you started about four or five years ago. Talk a little bit about the One Club and about the Jacobson Youth Initiative. Well, the One Club was fun. It was just a great fun. It actually wasn't really a championship. It was just more of a gathering of people to have some fun. Well, play. we're calling it a championship. Okay, but there was no champion. There was no low <laughs> score, if you notice. No, there was no score posted that was uh, awarded a, a champion. But it's, it's just a fun way for everybody to gather, uh, raise some funds for the program that, uh, that we have. Uh, and it just was a great day all the way around, and, and it was fun to play play with you. Uh, the Jacobson Youth Initiative actually really has been going for over 20 years with uh, the Erling Jacobson Tour, a non-competitive uh, event that we have 16 during the summertime. Young people play nine holes. We start with a lesson in etiquette, uh, how to behave, shake hands, sportsmanship, etc., and then we have lunch for them. And then uh, Youth on Course was a program that started in Northern California. We were the first state to ask them if we could replicate that program, and that allows a young person to play golf at one of 75 courses in Oregon, plus another three or 400 across the country for $5. In Oregon, we reimburse the golf course anywhere from $5 to $7. So the young person plays golf for $5. Uh, the golf course sees more and more players uh, to come visit their course. Um, and actually what I've heard from some of the operators is these kids are now bringing their parents to come play. Uh, so they're seeing more and more players, again, due to the fact that this $5 greens fee subsidized by our little program. So the Erling Jacobson Tour, the Youth On Course program, plus some other things we do, the Oregon Golf Association named those programs that we do for young people the Jacobson Youth Initiative. And the Erling Jacobson Tour is named after our father, our late father, who uh, was all about teaching people the game of golf. Coming up later in the show, we're going to talk to University of Oregon men's golf coach Casey Martin. And I'm also going to revisit 
my win at the U.S. Senior Open back in 2004 with my good friend and caddy at the time, Mike O'Connell. David, thanks for joining us. Well, before we go, Peter, I have those four tees and two pencils that I stole off the first tee for you. Shh, I don't want people <laughs> to hear this stuff. It's a jungle in here, and we all know it. The fans are fired up and making sure they show it. They're rattling loud, not your usual crowd. It's a jungle in I'm originally from Portland, Oregon, and I'm a proud University of Oregon duck, and I love being from the Pacific Northwest, but when all three of my children went east for college, I knew I needed to change things up. I wanted to get back into their same time zone. So after an extensive search, my wife and I ended up in the Naples, Florida area, but I wished I'd had Golf Life Navigators to help me make that decision. Golf Life Navigators is like Match.com meets Zillow. It's the only place you can go to uncover your ideal golf lifestyle. So go to golflifenavigators.com and fill out the Pro Guide 3 questionnaire. It will ask you all the pertinent questions like, where do you want to live? Or how do you want to experience your golf? Then it matches you to golf clubs and you get to choose which one has the best environment for you. Look, I, I really don't understand the internet or how it works, but it's so easy even I can figure this out. I'm so happy to be joined now on the Jake's Takes podcast by Casey Martin, former PGA Tour player, now the head coach of the national champion University of Oregon right. men's golf team. Casey, welcome. Thank you. Happy to be here. You're very happy. Yes, yeah, I am very happy to be here. <laughs> well, let's talk a little bit about your duties at the University of Oregon as head golf coach. A couple of years ago, you did something that doesn't really happen that often. You won the national championship at your home course mm. in Eugene, Oregon. That was that was pretty special. That was a dream come true. You know, when I took over the job, um, having played at Stanford and been around some great programs, I wanted to see how good Oregon could be. It had a good program. Certainly back in your era, Oregon was very good. But um, there was a big challenge to see could we compete with the best programs. And it was a kind of a personal challenge to see if – you know, to kind of put the pieces together and do it. And it was a long haul, um, but it got done. And to, uh, to be able to win a championship at Oregon, to host and, and do it at Eugene Country Club and have Solman Raza, uh, a young man who went to my high school, South Eugene High School, sink the winning putt in a playoff um, about a mile from where he grew up is pretty cool. It's a, it's a magical story. And it, it just, it was one of the greatest uh, moments of my life, not only for me, because it's fun to win a championship, but just to see those five kids or the kids on my team, um, they'll have a memory that will last forever. They will always have a cherished memory. And, and to be part of that is, is really special. Definitely a storybook finish. I played at the University of Oregon and you mentioned we had some good teams. We did have some good teams. And so many times when people ask me where I'm from, and I say Portland, Oregon, they say, you played golf in Portland, Oregon. People yeah. have no concept yeah. of how beautiful it is. And the weather is also very accommodating Absolutely. for playing playing golf. But the teams that you've put together since you left the PGA Tour and came on to the University of Oregon staff has been remarkable because of who you are and because of the story that you can tell them about 
perseverance. Talk a little bit about uh, the birth defect that yeah. you've had and dealt with your whole life. Yeah, I have a I have a birth defect in my right leg. It's called KT syndrome. That doesn't mean much to anybody, but my leg will pull up. Uh, the circulation doesn't work right. The blood does not return up properly. My leg pulls and swells significantly. And so I wear a series of stockings on my leg to keep it compressed. And uh, I get along doing that. I have a lot of related issues uh, that, you know, pain type issues. But um, other than that, I mean, it's, it's a pretty involved and it's pretty serious in, in some respects. But I'm able to play golf. I'm able to get around and do my job and I've had an amazing life in the game of golf you know even though I hobble around a little bit it's still been a magical um, magical stretch and uh, and so it's fun doing it at Oregon you know like you said it's a, it's a great place and and there's a perception at Oregon about the rain and and that like you said it's like you play golf in Oregon but it is it is amazing it's been really fun for me to sell that to kids I get a lot of kids from all over and and sell that sell my experience of what I went through and then Basically, I coach from a perspective of my failures as a player. I, I wasn't the player I'd hoped to be. Um, I made a lot of mistakes out on tour, just how I practiced, how I went about it, my mentality. So I've kind of sculpted my whole program is drawing on all those failures and trying to trying to create a program out of it. And it's it really is um, that's kind of how I view it. You know, I take my 13 years that I played professional golf and and I look back and try to uh, take those lessons and, and keep the next generation or my guys from making my mistakes. You know, I've known you since you were a junior golfer here mm -hmm. in the state of Oregon and your family, your brother Cameron and your, your entire family. I just want to go back in the Wayback Machine and talk a little bit about when you did get your tour card yeah. and you needed a cart yep. and it went all the way to the Supreme Court and you, you prevailed mm. and you had a chance to play the PGA Tour and ride the cart and I know uh, from talking to you so much about it, I, I just I admire you so Thank much because you. You, you went through a tough battle, yeah. and a lot of players that you've played with and admired actually testified not against you, right. but on behalf of the PGA Tour, which I can tell you yeah. a lot of people didn't like doing that yeah. because they loved you. Thank you. And but you handled that with with such grace. Take us back to what was going on in your head during the, that court case. Yeah, that was an amazing period of time uh, in my life. And, and yeah, there was a thing called the ADA, Americans with Disabilities Act. And that was the real um, reason why I was able to do what I did. And, and so I had an attorney friend in, in town that saw me struggling, saw my leg kind of deteriorating, and really encouraged me to say, hey, you should continue to play. Let me help you with getting a card. And I first kind of poo-pooed it like, hey, I, 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 that's not for me. But I got my back was against the wall. It was either stop playing or, or get some help. And so just a series of a lot of people coming to my aid to help me uh, to do that. And long story short, ended up suing the PGA Tour for the right to use a card and, and, and prevailed. And, and, you know, it's just amazing to see how that whole process came to fruition. And, and it was never anything that I would have dreamt I would have done. And, but it, it, it happened. And, and to, to win that was amazing. I got to play. I got to pursue my dream. I got to lay it all on the line out there. And um, even though I didn't have the career I would have dreamt of, um, just to be able to do it, I'm grateful uh, for that legislation that allowed me to do that. And uh, so, yeah. Yeah, interesting, too, because let's go back to the uh, college days. Yeah. You played at Stanford. You had an interesting group of I did. players on your team. Tell us who played with you on the team. Well, the guys, there's a couple guys you might know their name. Tiger Woods. I've, um, heard, I've heard of him. Was, I, he was a freshman when I was a senior. And then Nota Begay. 
um, those two are the are the most famous, obviously, and and they're great guys. And and just to be able to be associated with them, a lot of stuff in our program today in Oregon's program are stuff that I took from those guys. How they practiced, what we did, what we didn't do, um, things I've learned, and and uh, it's been very valuable to be around those guys. I love them to death, and it's been fun to see, um, obviously, Tiger get 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 back on track. Yeah, let's talk about Tiger winning the Masters. I. I, I wasn't sure I'd ever see Tiger win another major. So for him to win the Masters in 2019, earlier this year, what was going through your mind as you watched him win? Well, I was, you know, it's been amazing to see the, the highs and the lows and, and health-wise. Um, I, I probably, when he initially started to struggle years back, I said, hey, I told everyone, don't even worry about it. It's just a minor blip. But then became a major blip, both because health and just his game wasn't quite like the same. And so... I started to kind of doubt it myself, and then to see him come out of that and and what he's done, it is, it is amazing. So I sat there. Um, we had a tournament. And Conrad Ray is the coach at Stanford. Uh, we were all teammates together at Stanford, and now Conrad's coach. And and uh, we were watching uh, the Masters together at this college tournament, and we were both choked up, and basically we were tearing up watching him put out and just looking at each other like, how did he do this with all the stuff and the health and all the, you know, what we don't understand is how much pressure he is under on a daily basis from the golfing world and the expectations and how you deal with that. And to be able to rally and win, it's just remarkable. It's just, it's, it's just such an honor to say that I got to be a teammate and a friend of his. I was part of the broadcast team last fall when he won the tour championship at Eastlake. And I've got to say, when he was coming down the stretch and I was sitting in the uh, a booth with Steve Sands, and we had to do the highlights while Johnny Miller and Dan Hicks went to interview him on the 18th green. We were both choked up yeah. because to see where Tiger was, number one, where he fell to, mm-hmm. and we, we've been robbed of great golf from Tiger because of injury and because mm-hmm. of all the other problems. Yeah. To see him jump back to win, number one, and now with a major, is it, it's a great story of redemption. Now, speaking of redemption, yes. you're 47. Oh, boy. And I just watched you play here at the mm-hmm. University of Oregon fundraiser. Yeah. And you hit it pretty good. Thank you. You bust it still off the tee. Will we see you on the Champions Tour in a couple mm. of years? Well, you know, that is a great question. I am. I, I stay close to the game. I've never wanted to just leave the game and, and sip coffee and watch. Every, I, I love going out there hitting balls. I love staying close to it. So at 47, I'm still able to hit it. Um, those thoughts go through my mind. I mean, I have three years. I need to, I need to do a few things probably to refine my game. Um, and, you know, I love what I'm doing at, at the University of Oregon. I love coaching. I don't want to ever give that up. But if there was an opportunity for me to play a little bit on the side and, and have some fun and just kind of go wing it a little bit, I think I'd love to do it. But I don't know how that's going to shake out. Um, I know to do that well, you need to be really good. Those guys can really play. And so um, they beat me for 13 years when I played. So it's not doesn't make a lot of sense that I would suddenly go beat them now. But I will uh, I'll give it some a lot of thoughts and prayers and see see how it shakes out. But there is a little bit of of interest in that just because I love the game and I love I love learning about I've learned a lot and I, I want to um, see if I can do it. The, the issue is if there's an issue is is um, I just haven't competed for yeah. 15 years. So the nerves I who knows. But um, it could be fun to go go try it. You well, I think know. it's a story of you can take the boy out of the competition, but you can't, can't take, take the competition out of the boy. Now, three players that uh, you've yep. coached, Norman Zhang, yep. Wyndham Clark, yes. and Aaron, Aaron Wise. Mm-hmm. Now, 
we did a clinic together uh-huh. when Aaron was a freshman. And yep. you said to me, you pulled me aside and you said, keep your eye on Aaron Wise. Yeah. He will win at the next level. He mm. will win on tour. And you were right. So you've got three talented players among many others right. that are, are winning on tour and will make, it, will make an impact yeah. out there. It's been awesome to see. To have those guys trust me and come to Oregon um, was uh, amazing. Aaron could have gone a lot of places, chose Oregon. Uh, Wyndham transferred in uh, from Oklahoma State. And then Norman could have gone anywhere in the world to play, and he chose Oregon. So to, to have that is is remarkable and to see their success. Um, they're very, very good golfers, all three of them. They're very distinct, and they're, um, I expect them to have long careers out there. So Well, I know that these guys all tell me that they came to Oregon because of you, because nice. – I'd like to think that they come because of Eugene. As you know, yeah. Animal House was shot at <laughs> Eugene. But, but well, you're a special guy. Everybody admires you. And I've said thank you. Uh, the way you handled yourself with the Supreme Court case and, and gone on to such great success at the University of Oregon, we all admire you. And, Casey, thanks for joining thank us. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, uh, Peter, thanks for all you've done for me. And it's fun to be on your show. It's a jungle in here. And we all know it. The fans are fired up. Happy to be joined now by Mike O'Connell, former captain of the golf team at Notre Dame, the Fighting Irish, who is now the chief operating officer of Peter Jacobson Sports. So, Mike, I'm giving you a big buildup. Mike and I have been good friends, and uh, we're going to tell a few stories. So, Mike, welcome. Yeah, thank you very much. Now, Mike, when I when I won the 2004 U.S. Senior Open at Belle Reve, I had just turned 50, and we were, we've been working together not only at PJS, but also a little on tour, and I had asked you to come caddy for me, and it turned out to be a pretty good week for us both. Oh, that was, that was so much fun, but I, you got that wrong a little bit. I think I had to beg you to let me caddy <laughs> for you. I was following in my brother's footsteps, and uh, that week at St. Louis, I will never forget, um, you were coming back from a some surgeries. I'm a little unsure about, about playing, but you'd had such a great buildup uh, to the week, great practice rounds. And I remember driving to the course Thursday morning and it was just you and your wife, Jan, in the front seat and I'm in the back seat. And you're like, well, let's see how many holes we can go. Let's, let's, I'm, I'm not sure about this. And Jan basically stopped you in your tracks and said, Peter, you are going to play this tournament. You are not withdrawing. We are, we are playing this tournament and seeing if you can do this or not. And uh, One thing led to another, and you ended up winning the tournament. What a fun week. I did have labrum surgery about, oh, maybe two months earlier, and thought I could play. I went over to Portrush for the Senior British Open, played a little bit, but then withdrew because I just wasn't ready to play. And anybody that's been injured knows you can't play injured. You can't play well. You can't play good golf when you're injured. So when I got to Bell Reeve and I told you I wasn't sure I was going to play, but lo and behold, do you remember who we got paired with? First two rounds, Alan Doyle, who was one of the better players on tour during that time. And then Frank somebody Connor. had to withdraw, so Frank Connor replaced Correct. him. And I remember you driving at about 40 yards by him for the first two rounds, and we got done, and Alan Doyle looked at you, and he said, if you don't win this tournament, something's seriously wrong with you, or something to that effect. 
Well, he already knew that there was something seriously wrong <laughs> with me, so winning was in was in question. But I remember the first two days. I think I shot sixty five seventy, and I had the lead. And going into Saturday, we had bad weather. We had we had a rain out, so I had the lead. So we were gonna. I was hoping, and I remember telling you, I hoped that we would play Sunday and Monday. Right, right. But the USGA said we're gonna go. 36 on Sunday. Now, again, coming off of labrum, labrum surgery in my hip, I wasn't sure that I could walk 18, much less 36. So we were paired with Jose Maria, Jose Maria Canizares and Craig Stadler, and we teed off for 36 holes on Sunday. Yeah, and you played, uh, I, I remember thinking this could be problematic, you having to walk 36 holes. It was so hot and humid there. Um, you basically even barely even warmed up for the morning round. We finished. You played really solid, but lost the lead. I think Tom Kite or maybe Jay Haas had, or Hale Irwin had taken the lead. And you said, Mike, I'm going to go take a cold shower, grab a bite. I'll see you on the putting green. We're not even warming up. And uh, we get on the first tee, and people are yelling your name. And it's you're, you're pumped up, but you're I could tell you were a little apprehensive. And you hit the shot off the first tee, nutted a three-wood down there. And we're walking off, and you're like, okay. You said it again, and you're like, let's see how many holes we can play. <laughs> and I said something that I probably shouldn't repeat right now, but something to the effect of, how many holes? Let's go, let's go win let's this go thing. Let's go win this thing. What, what I did after I finished the third round, one of, one of the difficult things on tour when you're, when you're playing 36 holes, you're playing back-to-back rounds, the third and fourth or the second, third, whatever it may be, and you're in contention. You're leading or you're near the lead. It's tough to it's tough to separate both rounds. So what I did was I brought a complete change of clothing, put it in my locker down at, at, at Bell Reeve Country Club. I went in. I was so sweaty. It was so hot and muggy. I literally peeled my clothes off, left them by my locker. I went in. I turned on the shower as cold as I could get it. Well, I didn't start it cold, but I worked it colder as I as the shower went on. I think I took a shower for about eight minutes. And what I did is, I know this sounds crazy to say, but I closed my eyes. I tried to go away, meditate, uh, get quiet, go to sleep, whatever you want to call it. And I tried to pretend like this was going to be a new day. I didn't play that well the third round, but I wanted to come out fresh. And I went, I took the shower. I got cooled down because I was steaming hot. You were too. And... I went in, I changed my clothes, and I walked out to the first tee. And I remember, walked right to the putting green, hit a few putts, and then walked to the first tee, yeah. which was by the putting green. People were yelling, hey, Peter, good luck, play well, because it was in the paper that I'd had hip surgery. And nobody knew, including me, if I was able to finish. Yeah, I, I remember that. Um, you came out strong. You birdied one and two, pretty easy birdies. And we got around to like the fifth or sixth hole, the long par three over the water. And there was a pretty big three-group back up there. And some guy had on a St. Louis Cardinal baseball hat. He looked over at you, we're standing by the ropes, and he said, Peter, you look a little hot. And you said something to the effect of, you think so? He goes, what, what I could use is a chug of that cold one you have right there. And he handed it out to you, and you went over and actually picked it up and <laughs> took a sip out of it. And I'm like, Peter's in a good place right now. This is going to be just fine. Yeah, he had double-fisted beers. Yeah, he beers. did. 
He said, you could use you could use a drag. And I said, yeah. So I grabbed it and took about three chugs. And I remember the guys I was playing with, uh, they looked at me like, are you out of your mind? But obviously it did, it, it, it hit the spot. And I do remember coming around on 18 and we had a one shot lead on 18 and hit a good three wood off the tee and hit a seven iron to the green. And I putted it down about a foot from the hole. And I was pretty nervous. And you know when you have a chance to make a putt to win a tournament, it could be six inches. You don't even know if you can get the club back. And that's what happened to me. And I remember backing up and saying, Mike, you like straight in? And you said, yes, sir, straight in. And I putted it in. And as I turned around to look for you, you were struggling to get the flag off the flag stick. I had, I had never won a golf tournament before, player or caddy. So I was taking that flag with me. Uh, I could not get it off. It was on there super tight, so I just took the whole flag stick and everything <laughs> up into scoring. Yeah, and I'm sure the USGA probably asked you, uh, "Where where are you going?" I think they sent me an invoice. But it was a but it was a big week for you because what was going to happen the next week? Well, the next week I was getting married, so we went from St. Louis to Spokane, Washington. You were you and Jan were there for the wedding. The Wybrings, DA and Christy Wybring were there. They had just played. DA had just played in the event and. I mean, it was all a blur, a week of, uh, it was probably good that I was catting and out of the house, letting Janelle plan the wedding, but there was a lot going on. A I remember I wrote you, I wrote you the, the check you deserved and it was, uh, and it went a long ways to putting a down payment on a house. Yeah, that was, that was a heck of a wedding gift. That was, uh, but the memories, I'll never forget it. It's, it was back kind of where I grew up near St. Louis, Missouri, and just, uh, just a fun, fun week. So I was I was very glad I'd gotten the chance to caddy for it a few times, and, and to win a tournament was just a lot of fun. Well, that's all the time we have for this week's Jake's Takes podcast. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Peter Jacobson. These have been my takes. What are yours? 